0: This show is part of the Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale Of Fjord Macool, Coo Cullen, dear draw the sorrows, grawn your wail From giants right down to fairies, above the drooping and solitary And those are sometimes scary Anything goes by the fireside Yeah! Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, the culture, and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin Siolahan, and I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 187. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a folk tale ears on a little bit spooky, a little bit at night time, said in the southwest of Ireland uh, with an interesting name of my own concoction. This is Horse Piper. But before that, a very big welcome to any new and returning listeners. You're more than welcome to listen to this episode if you've just shown up at the door of Fireside. Give this episode a listen. This should give you a nice little taste. It's a very much uh, it's a very much a, a regular meet and two veg of Fireside story this week, a folk tale. And if you enjoy it, why don't you dip back in throughout the tale or right or throughout the sagas of Fireside, and if you want to, you can go right to the very back nearly four years ago, all the way back to episode number one and see we've been building up to on the journey of Fireside. Uh, all the usual ways you can support the podcast, uh, follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard, email me at firesidebard at gmail.com if you haven't done so already. Those are the places to get in touch with me. Those are the places for the business or personal inquiries or just to say hello. Uh, my, you can tell a friend about the podcast, you can share it on your story as people do. Thank you so much. And you, my favorite ways, you can buy my book, my poetry book, Garden see and Neometh of home. It's giving me the greatest joy of all at the moment to send that all around the world. And please do let me know your feedback, those who have bought it. Um, please do continue to do so. I love hearing from each and every one of you and especially to send it all around the world. Sent sent one to Australia yesterday, uh, where I've just come from. Um, so uh, very exciting to send it all the way back over to the other side of the world. Um, but you can also support at Headstuff Plus by joining Headstuff at headstuffpodcast.com for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want. All of the links are in the description below for all of those. No hard sell in any of them, but they're there if you want to. I'm once again coming to you from my home studio in Wicklow. We've got a lovely little cozy setup perfect for a tale especially one set at midnight and one that comes from one of our original sources the beautiful beautiful the treasury of irish fairy and folk tales i put the link in the description below to where you can buy it on amazon the week before last when we did um the story of the drunken master which i actually Wrote and recorded over in London, so I had to bring this like phone book over in my little handheld luggage, and um, taking full advantage of the rip off of Ryanair, insisting you add priority booking just so you can bring anything more than a goddamn backpack. Um, that's for another time. Uh, but the picture on Amazon that of the link is it just doesn't do it justice. And um, it's actually I it's a Barnes and Noble edition and the american book chain and but it is just absolutely stunning it's lovely to be back with it because again this doesn't get to come on tour with me these are the benefits of being back home for a little while of getting to access these great things because i love getting to adapt at all and and scouring the internet for for sources i'd never find in bookshops or libraries or anything but you just can't Especially the guy with very bad eyesight, and the extended period of looking at the screens really destroys my eyes. So, there's nothing like leafing through a beautiful, beautiful hardback with golden pages and a beautiful green cover. It is like delving through a spell book. Um, so, more and more of stories from fairy, a treasury of fairy and folk tales, for sure. And this one again comes from the solitary fairy section, although I would consider that this is almost more of a trooping fairy tale. And um, what's interesting and what was fun for me is you'll see that it is centered around a fairy that we have encountered in another way oh, nearly four years ago now, like one of the very, very opening stories of Fireside. And it seems to be more of a broad term for a fairy, but we'll discuss the, the ramifications of that afterwards. But we'll get down to it now. This is the, we'll chat more afterwards. This is the tale of the horse piper on Fireside. horse piper in County Kerry near the coastlines of the southwest of Ireland there lay the comfortable land of one Patrick Burke a hard-working family man who himself had come from a hard-working family Patrick was not the most well-off of men but he was far from the poorest he worked to keep everything he had but he also had had the opportunities to keep it He had two sons to carry on his name, a daughter who would be every bit the wonder his wife had been to him, and they even had their own maid. This maid, Judy, cooked their meals and entertained the children with fairy stories and mythology, although sometimes Patrick Burke thought that the maid told them too much. Patrick Burke was sitting in his warm, comfortable cottage at the end of a long, hard day. His wife and children were around him, and his maid, Judy, was nearly finished cooking a delicious broth. The rain and the wind began to batter the cottage, which made Patrick say aloud, When the weather is this bad, doesn't it make you all the more grateful to have a place like this to live in? All his family agreed that there was nothing like rain to make you happy to be indoors. But suddenly the wind and rain escalated to thunder, and the flashes of lightning and then the high, wailing screech of something else. Judy the maid dropped her spoon into the broth and recoiled in fright. Seeing the maid panic, the children ran to their fathers. For God's sake, Judy, you'll frighten in the poor children, said Patrick. They should be frightened, said the maid, "For if there's a banshee outside, then one, if not all of us, has a lot to be afraid of. It was only the old gate creaking. I've been meaning to go out nile that, but the weather has been only getting worse. Judy's heart rate began to slow slightly before a thundering knock came at the door. Thump, 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 thump. Who could that be? cried Judy. We'll go and answer it and find out, said Patrick, who, while he was critical of his maid's hysteria, preferred not to have to be the one to answer the door himself, just to be on the safe side. "'Oh, yeah, it's all well and good for you, Master Burke. "'You wouldn't be so keen to answer it "'if it was your grandfather who had been turned into a horse.' "'Fine,' said Patrick. "'I'll answer the door myself.' "'The master of the house went to the front door and called. "'Who's there? Who's at the door?' "'After a moment, through the door and over the sound of rain and wind "'came a voice that said, "'It's me, Pat!' "'And immediately... "'Pat recognised the voice as that of the young squire. "'Patrick had his own land, but he was far below even a squire. "'He opened the door and invited his better in. "'My apologies for the delay, sir. "'Your honour's honour is most welcome here, "'and if you wish to humbly demean yourself, "'please remove your coat and we will give you a blanket "'to dry and warm yourself by the fire until this dreadful rain stops.' The squire removed his jacket and boots, took the dry blanket off Judy, and sat down. "'I am most grateful for you letting me in. "'It's so rough out there I thought I was about to take flight. "'I thought there was nobody at home when first I knocked. "'I am sorry for that, sir. "'My maid Judy is a tad suspicious, and in fairness to her, she has good reason to be.' "'And why is that?' asked the squire. "'Well, did you ever hear the tale of Dearlmard I can't say that I have. Patrick Burke sat the chair beside the squire and went on. Dermot Bon was a piper, and easily the finest one in any parish. He put his full twenty-one years of learning, refining, and playing, and could make the instrument as sweet or sorrowful as he wanted. And what about him? Well, Dermot Bon was Judy's grandfather, and if there's one thing that man loved more than playing the pipes, it was his tobacco. I don't know how his head held so many tunes, or how his lung held so much smoke. The fumes used to come out at the end of the bellows of the pipes that made Dermot Bonn look like he was a fire-breathing dragon. Well, one night, a night much clearer and drier than tonight, Dermot Bonn was on the hunt for tobacco. He would sooner go to bed without dinner than not have a go of his pipe but unfortunately he couldn't cross the river into the village because a flood had made the water level rise like the droning of a goddess. I'd imagine we'll have a similar situation after this storm tonight. So the piper had a mind to follow the river downstream until he reached another bridge to cross over and retrieve some tobacco. He was determined, even if that meant knocking on the door of strangers. But further downstream, the bond began to hear a sound he thought was just the increasing current of the river. But it continued to grow louder and louder until the piper realised it was the sound of a thousand cheering tiny voices. And finally over the hill, Dermot Bon witnessed a sight that made him regret ever once having smoked tobacco. He saw an entire army of the other folk. Not a one that was taller than his ankle, yet in numbers that would make any man tremble. "'the piper jumped and attempted to hide from the fairy dragoon. "'He heard the general come forward. Troops, are you all ready for the battle ahead?' "'I'm not,' came another voice. "'And if you want to win this war, you had better make sure I am ready.' "'What is the matter on Fardaric?' asked the general. "'I have no horse,' said the Fardaric, the fairy enchanter. "'And what about Dearmuth Bonn?" asked the general." He's hiding over there behind the hill. Just turn him into a horse. Well, Dermot Bonn began to say his prayers and summon all flights of angels to his aid. The Derrick heard this and wasn't best pleased. I don't care for those kind of blessings, Dermot Bonn. I don't know what kind of man you are, but let's see how fine a steed you make. The piper couldn't even begin to run away before he felt his nimble fingers fuse and harden, his arms grow bristly hairs, and his entire face and jaw lengthen until, struggling to walk, Dermot Bon caught his reflection in the river and saw that he had indeed become a chestnut-brown horse. But he wasn't any old steed. He was a fairy steed. So the horse piper couldn't just gallop, but fly. And the far mounted Dermot Bon, and they took flight off the southwestern coast of Ireland, across the Atlantic, and down to the Caribbean Sea, before arriving in a strange land. Dermot Bon learned was Jamaica. Dermot had heard of this island, where a good many indentured Irish servants from Cork and Kerry had been sent. It was said that the accent there was not dissimilar to that of the southwest of Ireland. The entire fairy horde was there to face off against a fairy horde from Jamaica. It's unsure if these were the indigenous good folk of that island, or if Irish fairies went over with the servants. Either way, Dermot Bond soon found himself deep in the thicket of battle. He was still unsure how to move as a horse, much less fight like one, but fortunately the far Darragh was on his back and led the horse piper as he used spells and sword strokes to defeat his foes. But one enemy fairy came at Dermot with his sword and slashed the poor horse across the long face, knocking the Fardaric from his mount. This enraged Dermot Bon, and with renewed vigour, trampled all enemies in his path and ensured the victory for the invading fairy horde. The Fardaric remounted his steed and they roared back through the night to Ireland until Dermot Bon awoke safe in his own bed. Now, naturally, Dermot was sure it had all been a dream. He was grateful to see his own hands again and, and couldn't wait to play the pipes with them again. But when Dermot Bonn went to the mirror, he was horrified to discover that he still had a fresh cut along his face. It hadn't been a dream. Not only that, but there was a mountain of tobacco, enough to last a lifetime on his desk. The piper couldn't see, but he began to hear the familiar sound of the doddig, Thanking him for his service And that the tobacco was his as a reward Which would never go stale But also that the fairies would be back If they ever needed a fine steed As Dermot born again When Patrick Burke had finished telling his tale The wind and rain had ceased And the night was calm and drying off The squire thanked Patrick, not only for his hospitality and drying his clothes, but also for the evening's entertainment. I think the evening is calm enough for me to leave and return home, said the squire. But as he was seeing his superior out the door, Patrick looked up into the clear full moon and said, Be careful on your way home now, for that was no entertainment, and this is the exact kind of night that Durham had borne, was turned into a horse. The end. The podcast studios are opening their doors to everyone this Culture Night. Come see the place where your favourite Headstuff Podcast Network shows are made. Get behind-the-scenes access, learn about production, and record your very own five-minute podcast. This is an opportunity not to be missed. Join us Friday the 23rd of September. Register on Eventbrite.ie or see the Culture Night website for more details. We look forward to seeing you there. And there we have the tale of Horse Piper, of the Horse Piper, on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, uh, a familiar and unique tale in different ways. Let's start with the familiarity. Uh, This is the first tale for a good while, to my mind, since the three tales of Sean de Bonoiga, who had to save the lives of his three sons from the king of Denmark by recounting three various tales of his life. And why it's similar to those ones is much of the story is from a character's perspective rather than of an omniscient narrator. And as a performer, that's a lot of fun. I do really, really like narration and have a great time writing it as well. But just to mix things up, it was nice to kind of be in the character of Patrick Burke for that entire story because it changes a lot of things. It changes how you write to a degree because it is a dialogue and and people speak in a different way to narrators. Um, But also there's something about the speech pattern I'm less concerned I get more of a flow of natural speech because I'm less concerned about, like, getting everything correct. And I find I actually do make mistakes less because the mistakes matter less because people do make a lot more mistakes in their natural speech in the way that narrators tend not to or certainly don't get away with. So that was a lot of fun there, um, regardless of uh, the strength of my Kerry accent, which uh, I hope any Kerry, Kerry people will will forgive. And... Um, it, it, this this Kerry accent or rather the reason for wanting to do a tale set in Kerry, even though I, I found it quite serendipitously, but it's appropriate because I was down in Kerry. I was down in Killarney uh, last week um, for a corporate gig down there and we found ourselves in a taxi going into the town with a group of men and we were driving through Fossa just outside Killarney. And just one of these, one of these characters, like that you just never forget. It reminded of Christopher Guest talking about like where he saw the inspiration for Nigel Tufnell and Spinal Tap. But uh, we're driving through Fossa into the town, and this man, he'd be in his late forties, early fifties, I'd say. He's like, "No, boys, we're driving to Fossa now." And uh, and there's two people who come from Fossa. No, no, one is the the Cristiano Ronaldo of Gaelic football. And from the back of the taxi came, ah, no, no, he wouldn't be the Ronaldo now. He'd be more like the Maradona or Pele. And this conversation just, um, I just found to be the most wonderful thing ever. Um, the Both the comparisons and the comparisons within the wonders of the accent. Um, He was uh, talking for any Gaf fans. He was talking, of course, about David Clifford, as I later discovered. And uh, the other of the two, of course, being uh, Michael Fassbender. Uh, man from Fossa, yes. That part I was able to get. He was like, and the other one, he'd be in, though, the, in the performing arts. I was like, that'd be Michael Fassbender. That's, that, that one would be a bit more my wheelhouse now. Um, but with that in mind, in, in mind for, to those three gentlemen uh, in the back of that taxi on the way into Killarney from Fossa, um, this story, uh, this tale of the horse piper is dedicated to all of you. The fairy featured in this tale is is certainly worth noting, and um, because it is a Far Darik. and the Far Darik or the Fear Darik are literally just translates as red men, and they are presumably identified by a red cap, and they, in my experience with them, have been a kind of fairy of all purposes. He's very much a, he's very much a jack of all trades. Um, but he is a solitary fairy, very much like the Leprechaun. And the Leprechaun kind of fit, fits a lot of similar descriptions. Red Cap and Coat, um, and is known for mischievous and, and enchantment. But where we first met the Far Dark, he took a kind of different form in the adaptation I ended up doing was the story of the man who had no story, which is still to this day one of my favourite stories on Fireside, where we had the story of these four elongated fairy creatures um, tormenting poor Pat Diver all night. One version of that story is not titled The Man Who Had No Story. It's titled Far Darrig in Donegal. So these creatures uh, are meant to be fear Darig in, in a certain way. Uh, but they... But in this case, we encounter this fairy horde, this massive army, um, and the Far seems to form a very, very crucial position. He forms the part of a druid or a sorcerer or a wizard. It's basically like having Gandalf in your your army at Pelennor Fields. Um, he's your one, or sure, Gandalf was still in Minas Tirith at that point. You get what I mean, but... Um, he assumes this very, very authoritative role because he's not the general. We see that there is another general here, but he is the one making these demands and making these demands to have this this uh, Cinderella's pumpkin developed for him to find a steed. So he's depicted as being like teeny, 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 tiny, like about the size of like a coffee mug. And yet he wants a steed. A full size. Presumably, he could have one proportion to him, but why wouldn't you have one a full size? Especially if you can transform a poor unsuspecting man. And that was another moment that really reminded me of the man who had no story. Is this kind of omnipotence of fairies that they can have in some of these tales, where they always know everyone's name and where they are and what the crack is and how to reward them as well. Like they were able to go. It's like, well, what about Dermot Bond? Was it just white Dermot? Um, he's not over there lying there he's hiding we know who he is we know where he's out there and we know what he wants because at the end they reward him with this mountain of tobacco um, but then astonishingly in something i've never come across again in one of these tales they go not to anywhere in ireland not to scotland not to wales not even to lachlan or denmark or any of them they go to jamaica and that is the first time I have seen any Caribbean island um, be referenced in Fireside, and it made it a really exciting, cool discovery, because I think that must have come from like what I put into it there about the indentured servitude and this um, this folk etymological thought or theory um, that there is a reason why like the Cork and Kerry accent is not dissimilar to a Jamaican accent, is because there were a huge amount of uh, people sent over to those islands in indentured servitude. Um, This is a thing that is commonly misinterpreted as um, Irish slaves, but they, they weren't slaves, they were indentured servants. Crucial difference was they could buy their freedom and they could earn it and then of course that their children would be born free and their children would most likely be white so it's it it's an argu- it's a defense that is sometimes used um falsely in kind of quite bigoted arguments about like where the irish com- came from especially in america um but it's an argument that doesn't hold any weight because it was still a very very different circumstance um, but it's very interesting that this story um, is set in Kerry, where both the accent and a lot of these, these servants would have been sent over from, and is the thought why. So it doesn't seem to be a coincidence there, but it is just wonderful. And then just to posit, uh, in a kind of American gods kind of way, was this very horde going over to fight another army? Um, was it as in was it going over to fight an indigenous army of Jamaican fairies, the Jamaican other folk? What would they look like? Um, I believe it's Brer Rabbit, isn't it? I don't know anything about Brer Rabbit, but because um, Malcolm Gladwell's mother came from Jamaica, isn't it? And he um, speaks sometimes about Brer Rabbit. Yes, just had a quick look up there. Yes, he is a central figure, passed down an African American of the southern United States, an African descent of the Caribbean, um, a trickster figure in a similar way to Loki or to Anansi in West African mythology. Um, Br'er Rabbitism, he's someone who's worth actually having a look at if we get another opportunity. It uh, could have been Br'er Rabbit that the fairies were coming against or in an American Gods kind of way, could they have been Irish fairies that went over with these Irish servants um, ...and were then having to be defeated? Or did our fairies want to go over and rob them of their riches? Um, either way, we have Dermot Bon transformed into a horse. He is the proverbial pumpkin of this tale. And he is transformed over and brought over... ...and has to use his skills as just being a recently termed... ...but very much full-size horse against this massive group of minuscule uh, ...warriors and fairies. and through his own rage and being mounted by a powerful trickster fairy in the far Darug, um Dermot Bonn is able to lead his own host to victory. And he is rewarded by being safely returned home and being given this lifetime supply of tobacco, which I thought important to give an addendum that I would say that they would never go uh, stale because I think we only can get very, very stale tobacco. Um, But this kind of constant threat, then, to live in fear that at any point dear Bonn could be turned into a horse again because he had served so well. And that unclear that whether or not he ever was, but that this fear and superstition has then passed down to form this tale within a tale of this cold and stormy night. Because I had wondered, like, what it should I have made Judy, the maid, tell the story as it is about her own grandfather, but friend, if it's, it's Patrick Burke's house and it's his family and it's a squire and he's of, sta- of his station. So it would make more sense that it would be him who would tell. And I felt it was more natural then in my voice if I had to inhabit that character as well. Um, yeah, it poses interesting questions about these superstitions that even though it was her grandfather was a long, long time ago and quite and seems to be the only reason because she says specifically you know you'd be like this if your grandfather'd been turned into a horse which is just a great introduction to what's going on as well as such a left-field comment um but that that superstition is passed down because it plays into this trope of the the superstitious maid or like uh, nanny character who's always like the storyteller to the children and who instills them with the folklore and the mythology um, it, it's that taken to a literal degree and kind of it makes you sad for that kind of life of living in fear. If your own grandfather was just like going for a smoke and he was turned into a horse in a fairy war and then was rewarded, but then was told to live in fear. You would think that at any point you would. They knew your family. They knew that you made good horses. They're coming for you, whether you like it or not. Guard the doors. Lock the gates. Don't answer them to anyone. You would be like that. So yeah, I totally respect and appreciate Judy's paranoia. And I shouldn't have let the squire in. The squire I also enjoyed. I don't even know. Just, I guess it's again the weary traveller trope. A lot of tropes, the superstitious of me age, the weary traveller, the gather around the fireside, the tail within the tail. It made it all very comfortable, familiar and warm ground. It felt like I was there myself for a while. I was doing the telling. And I hope you all felt the same. But with that, I will wrap things up. And that is The Tale of Horse Piper. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. All the usual things. You can follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at at gmail.com. You can buy my book, Garden Sea and Neo Myth of Homes, It can be shipped anywhere around the world. Or you can get it instantly on Kindle version at Amazon. Support the podcast directly at Headstuff Plus for as little as five euro a month. Although more if you want it. All of those links are in the description below. Next week... We return to the Fianna for the aftermath of the Hill of Slaughter. But until then, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.